the text for the sermon is taken from the epistle. But Jerusalem, which is above, is free, which is the mother of us all. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Well, today marks a full liturgical year for our parish uh, since uh, the start of COVID. Did you realize that last year, the first Sunday that we missed was Lent 4 this week? Uh, and that's when we followed the bishop's advice and we had to turn to the live stream. I'm not even sure we started that that first week, right? And then we developed over time to see what we could do. The year since has not been easy, as we have all struggled with isolation, the loss of life, and dealing with fear and anxiety. We've had to develop new ways to interact as a community. We've had to live with a more simple liturgical expression of our faith. We've learned much in this year of sacrifice. It's made me step back and think about what is the purpose of all of this? What is the purpose of our lives within the church? It seems somewhat appropriate that Lent 4 marks a full year since this Sunday is traditionally called Rose Sunday, the day that we wear rose-colored vestments. And it also goes by the name of Mothering Sunday. In light of the epistle this morning, this is where the name Mothering Sunday comes from. Traditionally a time when we reflect upon Holy Mother Church and when we would uh, perhaps traditionally return to the mothering church of the diocese, like go to the cathedral on this week, or you would return back to the church that you were baptized at. That was some of the traditions uh, for this week. The church as our mother is a very helpful meditation because it reminds us how the church, guided by the Holy Spirit, guides us as a mother prepares her own children for adulthood. She does this by teaching us wisdom, by nurturing us with the sacraments, and bringing us to Christ. It is life in the church that gives our lives purpose, meaning, and direction. And it is only life in the church that can offer true freedom. Freedom found in obedience to God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. It is Holy Mother Church that leads us to that end. Union with the Trinity. And that is our end as humans. To help explain this, let us turn our attention to the Gospel given for today to see how Jesus' actions of feeding the 5,000 helps us understand our end, union with the Trinity, and how we get there. The Gospel picks up in the beginning of John 6, this incredible chapter in the Gospel of John, which marks this huge transition point in His own ministry. Just before, in John chapter 5, the Jewish leaders of Jerusalem have set themselves against Jesus because of His teaching. John writes, Therefore the Jews sought the more to kill Him, because He had not only broken the Sabbath, but said also that God was His Father making Himself equal with God. Notice that. That's going to be important later. That by Jesus calling God His Father, the Jews assumed that meant equality with the Father. Right? And that's going to be important later on. Well, their threats uh, do not exactly silence Jesus, as we all know. In fact, 
the end of chapter 5, right before the feeding of 5,000, is Jesus' response to their accusations and threats. This is what Jesus says. I know you, that you have not the love of God in you. I am come in my Father's name, and you receive me not. If another shall come in his own name, him you will receive. For had ye believed Moses, ye would have believed me. For he wrote of me. But if you believe not his writings, how shall ye believe my words? Jesus is accusing here the Jewish leaders of not loving the Father because they don't love Him. And even more, He says they don't even love Moses. Now those are fighting words for the Jewish leaders. The leaders of Israel live by the law of Moses. They judge Jesus by their interpretation of the law of Moses. They claim their superiority because of the law of Moses. So Jesus just cuts through all that moral high ground And then he claims that Moses spoke of him. And that's referring back to Deuteronomy when Moses did say, The Lord thy God will raise up unto thee a prophet from the midst of thee, of thy brethren like unto me, unto him ye will hearken. That was in Deuteronomy 18. And you might notice, if you're paying careful attention to the reading of the Gospel, that that's what the people said about Jesus after they received the bread, didn't they? John records, by the way, that this miracle happened as Jesus had gone up on a high mountain around the time of Passover in the wilderness. All those details put us into the story of Moses. The people notice these these details. They know what's going on. They look at Jesus' actions and they see a new Moses. But, I want you to see what John here is trying to point out. Jesus is moving beyond the claim of just being a new Moses. Right after the feeding of the 5,000, Jesus enters into this long teaching, this incredible passage. And I want to read you part of it uh, to, to understand what Jesus is claiming. Verily, verily, I say unto you, you seek me not because you saw miracles, because you did eat of the loaves and were filled. Labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for that meat which endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you, for him hath God the Father sealed. Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is He which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. I want you to see here, and it's very important to notice this, that Jesus is claiming to be more than Moses. He's claiming to be one with the Father, not just a prophet. In fact, in the narrative, it's actually the disciples who are the image of Moses, right? Because they're the ones talking with God face to face. It's the disciples who are distributing the bread to the people at the base of the mountain like Moses did. It's the disciples who are doing the bidding of God, which is Jesus. That, is our role as well. 
In this story, we are the new Moses. Through Jesus, we now behold God. Just like Moses, we now behold the glory of the Father. And now that's through our relation with Jesus. The Apostle Paul states this clearly in his second letter to the Corinthians. Seeing then that we have such hope, we use great plainness of speech. And not as Moses, which had to put a veil over his face, that the children of Israel could not steadfastly look at the end of that which was abolished. But we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass, the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of our Lord. We are changed from this, into that same image from glory to glory. That's eternal life that He's talking about. That's our end. And so, our lives need to lead to that end. And then, so now that Paul is clearly laying out what is that end, how do we get there? Well, Paul's clear. We must grow into it. And that growth comes like any natural growth through trial and change. This is the path of your life. Being changed into the image of Christ from glory to glory. The most normal way this happens, there are miraculous uh, instances, but the most normal way this happens is through time as we mature in our lives. In the Gospel passage, Philip is a good reminder of what this might look like. John records that Jesus tests Philip with his questions about how to feed such a large crowd. Now, I don't think Philip necessarily failed the test, but it was Simon Peter who showed complete trust he knew who Jesus was, and he trusted that the offering he had found could perhaps feed such a crowd. So we then should not be shocked by such tests of Christ. This could mean, for example, not receiving the answer you might expect from your prayers. Or it might be that you will receive silence from your prayers. You receive what you perceive as an absence of God. Think about this. In the Gospel, there's a gap of time between Jesus' questions to Philip and then His actions in response to Peter. The silence of Jesus, however, was not a sign of inaction, but one of planning and testing. Once again, this period of testing requires an openness in our own selves to change our desires and expectations to match those of Christ. This is why we need our Holy Mother Church for spiritual growth. Because we grow within the body. Your life as a Christian is not just you and Jesus, but it's you as part of the body. Your growth is a growth into that mystical body, which is the mystical body of all the faithful, both the living and the dead. Philip was tested, but it was Simon Peter who helped offer the answer. Philip was tested, but it was a small child who provided the answer. And so within the silence, Philip was aided by those around him. And so we see the importance of the whole body for our own spiritual growth. 
and why we cannot be a Christian alone, for we grow together under the guidance and love of Holy Mother Church. And most importantly, it's through the church that we come to Christ. This morning, you will be offered through the liturgy of the church the very body and blood of Jesus Christ so that as you receive Him, He may dwell in you and we in Him. Receive then her gifts. Partake of her sacraments as she leads you from glory to glory. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, Amen. Amen.